The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen and are for general information purposes only. It does not constitute any legally binding engagement between the podcasters and anyone else. Always check with your advisors to obtain your tax and your investment advice. Welcome to Two-Way Traffic with Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen, the cross-border podcast series. On each episode, we aim to guide you through the complexities, complications, implications, and advantages of having money and family on both sides of the border. It's 2021, a new year, and COVID-19 is still with us. Donald Trump is not. On this episode, Darren and Elena are back and they discuss President Joe Biden's potential changes coming for both personal and corporate taxation. Hi, everyone. It's Darren and Elena Hanson. And we're back for two-way traffic. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Coleman. I'm a senior vice president and portfolio manager with Raymond James in Toronto, and we specialize in cross-border wealth management. Elena, what do you do for everybody? Uh, I'm I'm Elena Hanson, and I'm a founder and an advisor to Hanson Cross-Border Tax, international tax uh, practice, which deals with Canadian and U.S. tax filers who face uh, double taxation issues. Okay, and we've been off for a little bit from doing some podcasts because as many people noticed, 2020 was a little odd and we had the border was closed and everyone's complexity just spiked. So we have been remarkably busy dealing with people who had their complexity jump, the border being closed, traffic being affected. Uh, We've been crazy busy and I know you guys have been very, very busy servicing clients through this crazy time too. We were, Darren. The, the landscape, employment landscape changed. Uh, we had uh, some Canadians who moved back from years of living uh, in the States, working remotely. That uh, added uh, some issues from the employers and employees' perspectives. Also, we got some guidances coming from IRS and CRA, what, uh, what to do during COVID times in terms of residency and tax remittances, stuff like that. So, yeah, it kept us uh, pretty occupied last year. And it isn't slowing down because one of the things that we're going to talk about in today's episode, uh, and then we're going to have a follow-up one in a subsequent episode because it's such a big topic. Most people know that they just had an election in the United States. And just this week, we had President Biden inaugurated. So we're going to have a talk today about what we think might be coming as changes for both personal taxation and corporate taxation. And until they're enacted, we don't actually know for sure, but we can look at the policies and the platforms that they came out from the campaign and give us some uh, guidance of what to be mindful of for people who have money or family on both sides of the border. So today's conversation, we're going to zero in on some things that we think might change and also remind people of things that probably are going to stay the same. So Elena, and also for the, for the listeners out there, Elena and I both appeared in an article in the Globe and Mail on January the 6th, talking about some of these tax proposals. So we're going to add a little more color and flavor today for the readers. So one of the big things that we think is going to happen, and we'll start with tax rates for higher income earners. What are some of the proposals that you expect to see coming? It's very interesting because uh, when we had a campaign, presidential campaign back in the fall, and the uh, Biden administration was uh, having having its platform with over 40 policies, new policies, uh, we were very skeptical that um, even, even some of them uh, may go through because we were projecting that the Senate is going to remain Republican. Right. 
But uh, yeah, we now, thought we'd have a split house, so it'd be very difficult to get it right, passed. That's right? right to enact. But now, when we have the Congress uh, being a Democratic majority and President Biden proposing an additional stimulus package of uh, 1.9. Trillion? T with a T with a trillion. <laughs> trillion. So, which uh, basically makes it over five uh, trillion uh, as uh, COVID stimulus, the first one enacted in, in the spring and now the, the, the follow up. So, I don't think we have uh, too much doubt that the proposals about tax enrich or increasing tax rates uh, to corporate taxpayers, there's, there's a very high likelihood that they're going to be adopted. So, right. that's likely going to be the direction right. uh, for our clients. Yeah, we've moved from the what's possible to what's probable. Correct. Yeah. That, that's exactly how I would put it too. So the first the first proposal is the increase in uh, personal tax rates for the uh, high earners. Uh, the current tax rate is uh, 37%. That's a federal rate. That is scheduled to go up to 396 um, You know, we had that rate just a few years ago. So this is a return for to the many Ab- of the Obama people, administration to what, right, to what rate. the tax that's rate used to be. So the question is, you know, whether it's going to negatively impact uh, Americans in Canada? And the answer is unlikely. Right. Because in Canada, I mean, we, me and Darren, we're both in Ontario, our top rate is 54%. So when we have American expats who have to file both Canadian and U.S. tax returns, and uh, majority of their income is Canadian source, uh, they should have uh, enough foreign tax credit to be able to absorb that, uh, you know, additional 2.6% uh, tax rate. Yeah, because the person pays the higher of the two tax rates, right? right? So the Canadian right. taxes are almost always going to be higher. Yeah. Uh, so this won't be a big impact for someone who's filing in both countries, but it will be a big change for some people that are only in one country. Now, moving on from the tax rate change. Now, by the way, just so the listeners know, what's the amount of income where someone hits that top tax bracket in the United States? In order to reach that top bracket, uh, you need to be quite successful, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So uh, most of the Americans are filing on a, a merit filing joint, uh, jointly basis, yes. so that filing status. I mean, obviously, you, you need to have a spouse for that matter. And uh, that is when your adjusted gross income is in excess of 640000 U.S. Right. Right. So, so what happens is that you have to have a pretty strong income to hit that top tax bracket. Whereas in Canada and Ontario specifically, you hit that top tax bracket before you hit $230,000 of Canadian income. Right. So it's very likely that the Canadian taxpayer who's also got to file taxes in the U.S., all their Canadian tax bill is going to cover all their U.S. tax bill. So not a meaningful change for that person. No, right? no, no. And also remember that under U.S. tax law, you have uh, availability to carry your foreign tax credits for 10 years forward and one year backwards, right? Okay. So basically, you know, if you are paying this uh, certain percentage in Canada and a lower rate in the States, uh, the unutilized credits are, are available for uh, carry forward and will be absorbed in the following year. So let's say if you got a, you know, change of income situation, you got promoted, you got demoted, uh, you can always fall back on that cushion of your foreign tax credits. Okay. So that's good to know. So while people are employed, not a significant change, but I think the bigger one we're likely to see is with respect to the gift tax exemption and the lifetime exemption for estates. Well, so that, before oh, jumping you want to jump to the estates, okay. yeah, before jumping to the estates, let's talk about the increase uh, uh, on capital gains. Oh, of course. And and also what we might see for dividends and other things. Okay. That's so let's right. talk about that. That's a good point. So what do you think 
is going to come on that side? So right now, if you generate long-term capital gains mm-hmm. or qualified dividend and- And long-term uh, capital gains is like as long as they hold the security for a year or longer. That's right? correct. So that's that, the key That's number. correct. That, that would qualify for, for long-term. Uh, so right now, if you're in a top bracket, which is subject to 37% tax rate on employment income, uh, you would be paying 20% tax rate on capital gain, long-term capital gain right. or qualified dividends. So it's pretty much half of your uh, ordinary rate. So what what is being proposed is that if your adjusted gross income is in excess of million dollars, then you're losing that uh, reduced rate on your capital gains and qualified dividends, right? So it goes uh, to... 39.6. 39.6. So effectively, your long-term capital gains are the same as your short-term capital gains. The same as short-term. So that's interesting. So that will be interesting to see if they push that through because that could create some different behavior on the path of investors, right? Yeah, like people, people if they're short-term, long yeah, they'll day trade. Like what's the benefit? Because part of the benefit of having that lower tax rate was that it encouraged people to be more patient investors, right? right? Now that also brings it back to more how Canada taxes capital gains, where Canada doesn't have that distinction with respect to holding period, right? right? Yeah. So that'll be an interesting effect. And we, again, we think that's likely to happen. So, Yeah, uh, I, I would not be surprised if it if it becomes a law. And again, that's only for people with an income of a million, million dollars and more. Okay, so mm-hmm. the average tax filer, again, probably won't see this being much of a difference to them. No, considering that the average uh, taxpayer in the States makes about 40000 yeah, right? So gonna that's going to impact only a few. So let's move to the estate tax exemption, which is another one that we expect will change. And this is probably one of the bigger places where we'll see people having to really adjust their planning. So why don't we cover the current rules, if we don't mind, of what is the estate tax exemption now in the United States? So uh, right now, if you're an American, you know, whether American in the States or American abroad, you are eligible to exclude your 11.58 million. That was the 2020 rate. Right. It's a slightly high now in 2021. It's, yeah, it's always adjusted 11. for inflation 7, a little bit. Right. And so th- th- that's amount you're eligible to exclude from uh, wealth taxes which can be represented either by state tax or gift tax or generation skipping tax and pass your wealth to whomever you want mm-hmm. uh, without uh, paying tax. So if, you know, if you're a very wealthy person, obviously anything in excess of that is going to be taxed at uh, 40% uh, right. tax rate. Now, you know, this is, this is very different than what we have in Canada. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because, fundamentally because different. Fundamental. We, don't, we just tax on whatever you had on the day before you died. Capital right. gains are triggered and everything else. That, we don't have a specific wealth tax yet. Right. So the current U.S. law is very generous. Mm-hmm. The, the trouble with that, it kind of um, encourages you to, to defer. Right. And obviously, it's not very good for economy because you just keep deferring, deferring, deferring from a generation to a generation because there's also other tax planning tools available. Right. So it's not that beneficial for Americans in Canada. Because as Darren mentioned, in Canada, we have a deemed disposition rules, which means that, you know, when the uh, second spouse passes, presumably the first one passes mm-hmm. everything uh, to, to, to the survivor. The second passes, then, the, you know, everything's treated as if disposed on the day of death and uh, capital gains and uh, ordinary income tax apply. So what the U.S. is proposing now is that they're saying that, well, that's probably way too generous. You know, how much exclusion we have. Right. Why don't we curtail it back? And, uh, and no it's one- not like they didn't just spend- and 
several trillion dollars that they're going to have to figure out how to pay for. It's not like they just <laughs> well, ran up the credit card, is it? Well, that's just it. So, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, the U.S. will will need to replenish the, the coffers uh, with, with what they spent on t- to stimulate the economy. So right now, uh, it's very fuzzy. Um, what are we going to go to in terms of the exclusion? You know, right. whether it's going to go to three and a half million or a five million and stuff like that. But also the reality is, Jiren, I've been practicing for over 20 years and every every election season we're talking about the reducing the exclusion yes and in reality we only see that exclusion going up right <laughs> right well, it may be because some politicians are wealthy but i wouldn't you know maybe that's why let's not speculate but but i think the key thing is is that that is something up on the radar because you're right right now the exemption limit is high enough where the vast majority of americans this doesn't affect them there really isn't a wealth tax for the vast majority of people but having said that if the exclusion goes from 11.5 11.7 whatever it is on 2021 if it does come down to three and a half million for example which is where it used to be that will suddenly capture a lot of people that never thought they'd have exposure to this. Because when they start thinking about their real estate, their home, their pen, like this suddenly could capture a lot of uh, Americans that are like, I'm now subject to a wealth tax. Wow. Well, especially with the speed of light where they're printing money now, too. Well, right? yes, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, uh, everyone uh, is a millionaire in the Toronto area just because the average home is over a million, right? Well, but don't forget, they also owe the bank a million, too, right? So <laughs> it kind of washes out. But the thing is, is that we could see, and I, I think for the for listeners, that's something that we really should be keeping an eye on. Uh, and you're right, we talk about it every time there's a new election, but we have we only see the number go up. But if it comes down, it could surprise people, I think. Well, that's just it, you know, and this provision actually is not limited to uh, American expats in Canada. That also going to impact Canadians, mm-hmm. right? Because remember, Canadians uh, are subject to U.S. estate tax if the U.S. side assets exceed 60000 And uh, those U.S. side assets, they're, you know, they're pretty... Uh, Vastly, I mean, this these are U.S. securities which you hold in non-registered account, or U.S. ETFs you may hold in your TFSA or RSPs. Right. You know, your U.S. cottage. Uh, yeah, cards. let's spend a second on that because yeah. I think that's a, that often when we share that with people, mm-hmm. that usually surprises them because they're like, I don't have anything in the United States. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what about your shares of Apple or Microsoft or that Vanguard ETF that you own? And it doesn't matter what account it's in. As soon as it's a U.S. security. This is why, for example, you know, the, the mutual fund companies in Canada and the ETF providers in Canada have created versions so that you buy the Canadian one. So even though the asset is in the United States from a tax and a estate perspective, it's not a U.S. asset. But if someone goes and buys something on the New York Stock Exchange, it's a U.S. asset. That's and right. if they have more than $60,000 of it, they're potentially subject to U.S. estate tax unless their estate files for an exemption, right? Well, yeah. So if your site assets in your uh, Canadian estate exceed 60000 your estate is required. Your estate and your trustee are required to file a U.S. non-resident estate and request a clearance certificate, right? right? So uh, because the liability is now personally imposed on the trustee, yes. a penalty associated with not complying, right? So it's a serious issue. Oh, and unfortunately, the number of people that get appointed as an executor for someone, they generally don't know no. any of this right. stuff. So we're a big fan of people looking at having a corporate executor That's because right. as you said, people don't know that they have to do this and then the liability goes personally 
to the executor of the estate. People don't know that. So if you are listening to this and you are an executor to an estate, call us because you may have more trouble than you thought. And uh, so what's happening too is that, you know, financial institutions are becoming more literate and and we're seeing that uh, with with the escalating number of executors contacting us to assist them with with getting the clearance certificate. But the trouble is that it takes a long time for the IRS to issue one. It does. And it's interesting because the timeline for the IRS is not the same as the executor. The executor has to apply for this relatively quickly after the date of the death of the deceased. So they've got to move quickly, but the government doesn't. Yeah, they have nine nine months. months. That's not a long time to deal with this. That's right. So, you know, it's not unheard of when it takes two to four years for, for an estate to get a clearance certificate. So meanwhile, the money sits with the financial institution right. and the beneficiaries cannot get access to that cash. But, and they all think it's the executor's fault for not paying That's them, right. right? Yeah, it does create absolute chaos. So along with the change potentially to the exemption, this might get a little bit into the weeds, but why don't we talk about the step up on base, uh, the step of the basis on death and some of these other issues that we also think might come that'll affect uh, how things can be deferred to spouses and other things. So that that's another wrinkle that we might see changing. So why don't you explain that one? Right. Too? So what is happening right now is, as I said, you get this large uh, exclusion with respect to wealth transfer, which you can utilize either during your lifetime or on death, and uh, no one pays tax, right? right. So if you bought a share of Apple for ten bucks, and right. now is it was it trading now hundred thirty dollars something like this after this? I'm not going to give the number because it's literally changing every. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so, and, and and if you're gifting it to to your loved ones, uh, they're obtaining it at uh, at the new value of hundred thirty dollars. Yeah. So they, tax, the right? new person gets it at your at, at whatever the value is. Well, when you okay. Die. Let 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 me clarify that. Uh, on death, they they they're gonna get a step up on basis. If it's a uh, during your lifetime, they get the original cost basis. Yes. Right. So yes. that that's actually a significant difference. Uh, but let's let's stick to to death. So no one pays tax on that appreciation on the U.S. side. Yeah. I went from 10 bucks to 100 bucks. The, the, the new person gets it at $100. That's right. So the lawmakers are not happy about that. They're saying, hey, someone needs to take uh, to pay tax, you know, whether it's a state or beneficiaries or somewhere in the middle. And that's what's being proposed to as, a, as an adjustment to the current system. Now, let me jump back on the Canadian side, because again, when we're dealing with Americans in Canada or Canadians, we have to look at both exactly sides. Exactly right. Right? Yeah, because uh, so far we've really just been zeroing on the American on tax the US system. Side. Right. Uh, so in Canada, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we have a step up in basis, right? right. So basically, when when you have a couple, uh, you know, first uh, spouse goes first, then the second goes, uh, you know, the deemed disposition takes place on the second death, and that's when the assets get crystallized. Right. right? So that that thing they bought at ten dollars now worth a hundred. They say, okay, well, now we're going to tax it as if you sold it at a hundred dollars. Someone has to have a ninety dollar capital gain. That is right. That's that is right. right. So beneficiaries now acquiring that uh, at a hundred dollars. But someone paid the tax. The estate paid the tax. That's right. So, you know, to be honest, if they're going to introduce that wrinkle, I mean, they they, they revised the existing uh, provision, a statute, it's not going to be that impactful for Americans in Canada because we they already, already do it here. Exactly. Yeah, anyway. Right. It bring, actually just brings the two reporting systems right. more in line. Right? More, more, more in line. But it will surprise Americans who didn't have to do this before. Yeah. And I think a big part of what you and I have to look at is yeah. when we have Americans that are in Canada they, and they've done estate planning in the U.S., they've often only done it from the U.S. side. 
So we often have to kind of deconstruct it and do a bit of a triage to say, well, maybe we have to have different planning strategies because Canada is going to do this and the U.S. is going to do that. So how does the treaty treat both of these actions? Well, that's right. You, you know, where I can think about the scenarios when we have decedents in the states, but beneficiaries in Canada. Yes. Right. Because right now it escapes the state tax. And beneficiaries just get at the new step receive. up basis. That's right. right. Uh, and, and nobody they, paid any tax. No one pays tax, right? Uh, so when the U.S. aligns its uh, system to the Canadian, mm-hmm. then you know someone is going to be out of pocket. So uh, so people will be looking to buy more life insurance to cover some of these tax bills. Um, we should also cover some of the things that we don't think will change, right? So things like the the tax reporting of which bank accounts you have, that's likely to stay. All the FBAR reporting, that's not going to change. We don't see any change to PFIX. Like there's, I think the vast majority of things we, we've been experiencing uh, are likely to stay the same under the new administration. It's really just maybe some of the levels of taxation will change, but that's a bit right. other fundamental. Do you see anything else that might be fundamental coming? Well, you know, I think there's more changes coming on the uh, coming on the corporate side, and we'll talk about the now yes. a different episode. But as far as the individual side or your state side, you know, this is more about the wealth redistribution because uh, the new administration intends to level out a little bit reduced wealth and uh, bump up uh, the, the mid to low. Uh, that's why uh, whatever they're going to collect uh, from the wealthy taxpayers, uh, they will be paying in, in the form of credits or subsidies to uh, mid to low taxpayers. Right. And we also haven't touched on it. We really can't in this environment talk about what changes might happen at different state levels. Right. right. Like we're seeing a huge exodus of wealthy people from California to Texas as California looks like they're discussing some policies that are very odd. But that so I think that's another issue, depending on where people might be residing or living. But for the Canadian uh, American, we'll call them that. I think we can agree that there are going to be some things on the landscape, but generally nothing that's going to really upset the apple cart for them. I would too say, much. if anything, we need to keep an eye on estate tax, uh, their exclusion. Uh, but that's about it. Right. My concern, however, mm-hmm. is what is going to happen on the Canadian side? Well, that's a whole other dialogue. Uh, And I agree with you because I suspect that there is going to be, because the governments have all spent so much money, I think they're going to become quite inventive about finding new ways to help pay the tax bills. Unlocking your savings, Darren? Yeah, well, isn't that what our finance minister said? Should we have that unlocked stimulus in people's bank accounts that she wants to go get? The most frightening words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Let's remember that. Uh, So why don't we close that conversation on uh, for personal tax there. And then on our next conversation, we're going to dig into some of the changes that we think might be coming for the corporate taxation. And I think that's where we think maybe we'll have more adjustments coming. That's right. Okay. So Elena, thank you very much for today. Listeners, thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned for the next one where we dive into some of the corporate tax changes we expect to see. Thank you. Great talking to you, Darren. Talk soon. This has been Two-Way Traffic with Darren Coleman and Elena Hansen. This cross-border podcast series is a production of the Acme Podcasting Company.